Welcome to episode 38 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we explore the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and interiors. This episode, I'm back in Barcelona talking to Jordi Barri, founder of Barri Studio, a practice that bridges the world of landscaping, architecture and ecological thinking. After a degree in landscape architecture, Jordi took a postgrad in design studies from Harvard and is still involved in his family's plant nursery business, so he was destined to do interesting work, at least from my perspective. Our conversation covers the role of green roofs in bringing nature back to our cities, the idea of what he calls butterflies in the neighbourhood as a parameter for a healthy environment, how his team designed pollinator gardens, and gardens specifically for migrating bird species to nest in, the interconnectedness of nature's systems, of plants, insects and animal life. He's a cerebral thinker with big ideas of how to improve the cities of our future. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you do, hit subscribe. Both of our contact details are in the show notes. Nada más is Jordi Barri of Barri Studio in Barcelona. Jordi, great to have you here. So you grew up surrounded by plants. It's obviously, it's in your blood, it's in your DNA. Your family had a a plant nursery in Catalonia. I just wondered how you think now about that experience, like how it's influenced you and the knowledge that was perhaps handed down to you from the previous generation. Like how do you live with that today and how has it helped you get to where you are? Hi, Matt. Uh, nice to meet you here. And I will try to, to answer you, even though my, my English maybe is not as perfect. But as you said, well, yeah, I grew up in a, in a plant nursery uh, that was from my grandfather and my father, and now is run also by my brother. Well, in terms of um, how it was handed down, so it's, it's the fact that you have been always grown surrounded by plants. And so I mean that the botanical names, usually that's something very funny, even with my friends, because they also sit, always telling me, well, but you, you know all the names. It is just it's something, it's like, like a lexicon that you've been always surrounded by that. Uh, so you know very much about the botanic and also the, about the, the processes going on in the nursery, uh, all that materials that you were used also to to touch, because I remember when I was a kid, my father not, not forced me, but but obliged me in, in summer to work since I was like 10 to, from 10 to 14, like one one month in summer from eight to one, we had to be in the nursery working, even like, you know, taking uh, all those weeds out and uh, doing those processes. So at the end, it has been very much influential in in me even i remember those winters where we went to the those nursery with the christmas trees and even we have to deliver it in the neighborhood so at the end it's 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 very very rooted um, in in my childhood and, and obviously it has helped me now to understand much more about how those plans evolve how those plants behave and, and, and all that. It's interesting hearing your response because it, it occurs to me that there's such a difference between a family-owned business, so having parents or one or other parent who own a business and 
and get you involved, so get their, their, their children involved in their business versus someone who may be running a, a company, but it's not theirs. And so when they're on holiday, that's it. They're on holiday. Whereas as a family business, in a sense, there's, there's less holiday, right? So you are always uh, getting involved even during the summer when, when everybody else was, was perhaps trying to take a break. I like that idea. So clearly that's built into your your heritage and, and how you grew up. And, and I'm really interested in how you've taken that and built upon it to create, in a way, like your particular style. And when I when I research the work that you're doing now, it's pretty clear that there is a, a lot of thinking behind the plant strategies that you put forward. It, there's, there's clearly, and an, in addition to aesthetics, there's this functional side and sort of an ecological concept behind the proposals that you're putting forward. Can you talk to us a bit about that, about how you try to promote biodiversity, for example, via specific combinations of plants to almost giving your projects a higher purpose beyond just sort of decorative landscaping? Yeah, well, at the end of what we are very much um, interested is, is, as you said, you pointed out that it's not just aesthetic, not that usually like those shrubberies are much more concerned about when they bloom and what kind of color or what kind of texture do you have, that obviously also that is also considered. But we are trying to, to be more f- now more focused and to go deep in understanding the relationships between those plants and those plants community and how they work together. So in order to solve sometimes some problems, for example, when you have those trees that are attacked by aphids or so maybe you can uh, create like a community that um, enhance and can, can capture a little bit the attention from uh, ladybugs that attack those aphids. So at the end, it's it's kind of a, a symbiosis that we we're trying to achieve here, in order to bring something more than not just aesthetics. Or for example, to understand how there are plants that work better in carbon fixed, uh, as for example, um, species like a cotoneaster that works very much in capturing CO two. So at the end, it's, it's trying to, to be and work a little bit beyond the aesthetics and going more into an ecological approach and functionality. So in order that when we bring that into the city, we, we not just give and bring beauty to the city, but also like some ecological aspects that I think that even they are more didactic, even for people too. So that at the end, we, we are all interconnected. So at the end, those relationships between between plants, insects, and even humans. You know, at the end, how they work all together and in an in an urban concept, in an urban uh, surrounding. You know, so it's all that that we are interested in working. Sounds quite similar to some of the rewilding projects that are going on uh, in the UK, for example, where. Yeah, people, um, landowners often are looking to reintroduce certain species that have become extinct as a way to yeah, promote greater diversity in, in the 
animal world around them and, and find that balance that perhaps has, has been lost due to the impact of, of industrialization and, and basically humans on the planet. So let's dig into one of your projects as an example, because you know, I think designing a garden or creating private spaces is one thing, and we, we can cover that later. But I'm really interested in the role that landscape designers can play in, let's call it like placemaking. So sort of public-private partnerships, public squares, places that make up the urban fabric of a city that in a sense you're you're designing and creating these green spaces, right? So you're bringing some greenery back in. I was looking at the mm. the town square project you did in, in Santa Eulalia. I think you're starting that one next year, right? So can you describe the different components that go into that project? I mean, I'm guessing there's beyond greenery, there's got to be a focus on kids and activities because it's, it's a public park, yeah? Well, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a kind of a public plaza. Let's and it's uh, at the end the space is, is divided in in different areas. You know? And also, what is characteristic about this urban plaza? It's it's, it's organic forms. That it's more like rounded. And what we also wanted to recreate was much more about the sensation of the memory that has the people of the town when they go to the river and how we can try to bring that sensation into that urban plaza. So at the end, it it, it was like divided in like what we call like three different areas. That one is called like the dense wood. So where we plant a dense wood uh, that recreates a little bit the, the woods and the, the the trees that we have in this in the in those areas that surrounds that the town then there is a like a flexible uh, performative um, surface where where those different activities can happen there and also uh, there is the yeah the kids area is always like a, almost like a must when you do um, like a park or plazas because at the on the end, they are the the users, and and so we have to bring. And also, it's not just bringing the functionality of the playgrounds, but also a more a didactive uh, way also for them, so that they start to understand uh, how to deal with with nature there. So we usually those those games that we plan there plan for them are in that case done from Robinia wood in order to, instead of plastic and, and, and all that, that that materials. But also there is another layer. It's like, we say like our own layer that is related with what we talked before about the vegetation. So it's true that uh, there are some zones where we are more urban and more attached to the urban. That vegetation, it's more about more uh, let's say like more botanical um, in terms of more aesthetic, but with those ecological relationships. But the uh, there is another layer of vegetations that it, it tries to emulate kind of the 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 river river uh, vegetation that we have in those river beds with those trees and these uh, shrub shrubs down shrubs that happens there. So. So also the, the vegetation layers are, are 
quite in, important for our, our designs. And that's, that's we, what we are doing in that proposal. So at the end, it's, it's not such a big park. It's just like a, a, let's say like a small plaza. But what we want is like uh, people get embraced, you know, like get surrounded by all this vegetation that, that we had planned. Then you have other projects such as the one in in Blanis, I think, also starting mm-hmm. in twenty twenty two. But there, mm-hmm. like, what are you? What sort of techniques or strategies can you use to create a, a small hub, like a, a meeting place for for the local community? Like, how does that? How does landscaping connect with that bigger strategic concept of creating uh, a meeting place for locals and? promoting a sense of, of community for the people who live in that area? Well, it's true that in that case, in that park, um, there was a, a strong um, neighborhood uh, association and it was already like a kind of a meeting point for them, but it was totally dis- disrupted and and not very pleasant to, to go. So our strategy there, uh, obviously, because we are focus on ecological aspects was to uh, to create like a topographical movement um, and with that uh, slope a little slope very soft slope uh, all we collect all that rain water uh, towards what we call like a bioswale and that bioswale uh, acts like a spine and in 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 terms of it vertebrates the whole space. So that bioswale spine um, at the end becomes like, like the place where you can walk along and the different zones of that parks are attached to, to that spine. So in another aspect uh, in terms of ecological approach also was what we call uh, the garden of pollinators. Uh, and at the end, this garden also like this uh, lush planting with diversity of of plants also holds and allows um, uh, the insects uh, to pollinize uh, pollinate. I don't know how you say that, but uh, in terms also we plant some hotel for insects, and and all this also with a little um, uh, construction like a little. So, uh, let's say like a social building where all the community can gather and at the end they can do activities related with that uh, pollinization, pollinators, gardens there, or according to the nature that we are bringing there, or according to that irrigation system and all that spine. So at the end, it becomes a ludic and ecological park. And obviously, if you do that in the two ways, like in a more aesthetic and beauty, but also like a more performative and ecologically functional, I think that this mix makes that people want to go there. And at the end, we have seen now in the pandemic that parks have become like a, a very important place, even for healing minds and, and, and for the healthy health of the people. So I think that by combining these two aspects, like the, the beauty and the ecological, as we always try to do, uh, 
people will will be pleased to gather there and enjoy the park. I think that's where what you do starts to overlap with with what I do in terms of creating green indoor spaces, but really a lot of the same concepts are the same about yeah, giving people access to nature, even perhaps in an indoor environment, if there's no uh, barrier studio design park around the corner. But you've written also, I know about the concept of butterflies in the neighborhood, or perhaps like trying to bring butterflies mm-hmm. back to the neighborhood, just in terms of the insects that, plants can attract. I mean, we do hear stories of small insects that have been attracted back into central London. I think it was on on the rooftop of a a Japanese bank-owned building in London a few months ago that there was an amazing story of a a particular plant that had attracted um, certain insects back into the centre of the city that that was just completely unexpected, but a a very positive sign. From your perspective, what what are we looking out for? Like, what what are signs of progress in terms of nature slowly being invited back in to cohabit with us in city centres? How is your concept of butterflies in the neighbourhood? How does it relate to that? Well, the answer that um, when we when we say uh, butterflies in the neighbourhood is our goal. It's what we would like to see, even in in a city. And and if we start to see them. It means that we are recovering, and we and the nature there, and those uh, let's say like those vegetation communities are working well. In and it's like a kind of a biodiversity uh, parameter of the good quality of the environment. So obviously, uh, at the end, it's like trying to recover all those uh, lost areas that we have in the city that can be um, uh, like a place where this nature uh, bring it's brought back. So, and that can happen very much into, into the roofs. Here in Barcelona, there, there are many projects now that, that are concerned with, with, the green roofs, but not, but not just as, as it was before, maybe that it was just like a green roof in order to, to a climate or an insulation aspect, but much more like to bring nature back. So if, if we bring all those insects back, all those plants back, is, is what I said before. At the end, it's like um, trying to have a, a better balance between human beings and nature, animals and, and, and insects. And at the end, everything is related and everything is more rich. And bef- it's for example, when, when you have in the city those street plantings or street beds that are just planted with one species, that doesn't bring diversity. So at the end, if, and if you plant a diversity of species, then it brings other other communities there and that brings life so at the end we have to force or we have to uh, lay the substract in order that that this magic of those communities happens there and I think that is all what we are trying to do here in the studio and and what we think that cities 
should bring you know at the end it, they should bring nature but not just like a green thing but much more about an ecological thing so that's that's what we when we call butterflies in the neighborhood is what we would like to see when we open the doors of our houses we would like to see butterflies and birds and and even you know insects ladybugs all, all, all that people i all, all that all, all those animals that interact with us so that means like we are in a healthy environment i know you're interested in what's been done in asia as well in that sense so if we take a step back and sort of look at the regions and how different regions deal with this in a different way obviously we're talking from effectively a mediterranean location a mediterranean climate but in terms of Asia. Have you have you seen? I mean, Singapore obviously being sort of the leading example, but I'm sure there are many others. Are there are there things lessons that can be learned in that sense from what's been done in Asia, or are there no universal principles? Is it very specific to each region according to whether it's tropical or or dry, hot or cold? Yeah. Well, obviously, every region has their own their own problems and their own different strategies to be tackled. But in, in it's true that in Asia, and when we're talking about with the concept about sponge cities or porous cities, it's a way to confront the climate change that everybody now is it's, it's in vogue and we are talking and it's obviously a major concern for all humankind. But the way that they, they have done that there is, is obviously probably the opposite uh, than in the Mediterranean. There in Asia, there are a lot of floods. So at the end, what in, instead of using uh, uh, the way to plan the cities in a more engineering way that it was, okay, everything should be channelized, you know, like concrete channels in order to avoid the water flood from one place. So... Uh, landscape architects can bring another vision and that is why it's so important in terms of a major role in transforming the cities because the way to approach to those problems are totally different than the engineers and now we see for example uh, not in Asia but in, in Los Angeles the Los Angeles river that was totally channelized uh, with concrete now there are many projects that are dealing on how to get rid of that concrete and how to bring the stream or the river back. So at the end, it's like an obvious concept. It's like, uh, in that case in Asia, what they're doing is like they are planning huge parks that they become uh, sponge parks. When they have floods, they can retain, they can hold this water, and then as a sponge, they can bring it back to the, to the river in a, in a certain way, more controlled. Uh, in the terms of the Mediterranean climate, it's, it's probably totally different because at the end, what we, well, it, it works the same, but in a different um, rain uh, parameter. You know? So here, what we want is to hold that water as much as we can because we have a lack of water. So we have to retain that water somehow and then to apply, to try to irrigate with the water that we collect in order to not to abuse and, and not to 
let's say like the aquifer that we have uh, try to not to stress it uh, so it's better if we can use the water that we collect from the rainfall than not using with dwells or or from from you know from let's say like the 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 municipality water. So it's it's a different uh, approach in terms of, of rainfalls, um, but it's the same. At the end, it's like we, for the climate change, we have to uh, design uh, with nature and not against nature. And I think that that concept should be very, we should bear it very much in mind because it's going to be a, a major theme for the future of design in terms of landscape architecture. It's, it's almost as if, yeah, having that relationship with nature, the last thing you'd want to do is, is to harm it. Or in fact, what you want to do is to do great work. And great work requires now that you also protect and, and do whatever you can to, to help and reduce the damage that's being inflicted on nature. And, and again, you know, similar principles behind biophilic design. It's not just about creating green spaces. It's no good if it's green and, and looks natural, but it's uh, actually having a negative impact on the environment. That, that just makes no sense. It's not, it's not consistent. It's not a coherent approach. And I can really see that in the way you talk about designing spaces or outdoor green spaces that are respectful of nature, that bring nature in and that do whatever they can to to help it in a way to to, to stop the um, negative impact that humans are having. But you have an interesting perspective because you also you work across you work across industries in a sense, both from architecture buildings right the way through to uh, outdoor uh, landscaping projects. And your project in Mallorca, in particular, which is a residential project, clearly. Um, there, it seems to be a really interesting example of how you can use buildings and, in this case, architectural designs also to attract nature back into the city. So rather than it being an outdoor green space, you're, you're effectively designing a residential building, as, it, as I understand it. So similar principles, but how have you gone about that? Like what, what, have you, what techniques have you used to, to attempt to connect the residents, the future residents of that building with, with the nature around them? Well, at the, at the end, we wanted to do like a kind of an exercise of uh, doing like a research of how a building can be not just a building, but could be something more. Uh, and in terms of uh, ecologically, uh, how it can work in, in, in the city. And what we do, what we did, it was like kind of a study of the birds uh, of the area and the migration and the behavior of those uh, those birds. And we established our rooftop um, as an ecological and plant community suitable for for nesting birds, you know. And and but in that sense, we wanted to design. Uh, um, uh, a building that, um, for example, the, the staircase, whatever it be detached, well, it was a little bit separated from the building, and that staircase could could work as a um, lookout 
for those birds that were nesting on the on the rooftop. So what our goal was not just making a garden for a building, but that that building become a, a, a substract uh, of of an ecological real function. And by those rooftops that sometimes they are even not abandoned, but they are flat and without, without very much life or just covered by green, green species that they are sedums or something related to that. We wanted to, we wanted something more. We wanted to, to make it a little bit more vivid and that imagine that like if they were stepping stones on, on the city for birds, in order that make them more easy to nest around our cities if we want to bring them back to the city. That, that was our, our goal. And that's why also we, when we try to design, uh, we have all this in mind when, when, when we want to do, uh, even if it's a, 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 build, a building, a park, or, or even a garden. At the end, it's a, a matter of scale. For example, for a little garden, it could be like more related with insects. But if you are in a city, it's it's migration of birds and all what is related. And at the end, at the end, it's very interesting because if you if you put that substrate or let's say like the, the soil in the, in these rooftops, those birds will bring uh, seeds, different seeds, and they will grow there. And you don't even know what will grow there. And that is the, the beauty of it. At the end, the question is what will grow there? And we don't know. So if we, if we give some um, freedom to, to random, I think that life is also about that. Well, it's, it's not just life, but in a sense, yeah, it's the, the, the wonderful part of nature, right? Is that wildness exactly. to it. You don't want to try and control it too much. Just imagine if, if, more and more buildings like yours in Mallorca were built, right? Then suddenly it starts to become, make a real, real change on, on well, the landscape. Well, yeah, at the end is, is that. I imagine, and even imagine that you have those buildings and the kids that are on the building, they look out to that, how they nest, they can, they can, at the end is try also to be didactic for them and bringing the nature to, to, the, to, the, to the kids also because they're going to be our future. So at the end, we are responsible to build their future. And if we are applying those, those considerations, those parameters, and, and these approaches that are more nature-related and more ecologically, not just aesthetically, aesthetics, I think that, that everything can be more, more interesting and complex. And I think at the end is, is what is life about. Complex, vivid, random, freedom, diversity. All, all this it becomes a little bit more, more even funny. It's what we call also, there is something in the studio that we always talk, as you said before, you mentioned like butterflies in the neighborhood, but also uh, things should be ecologically funky because at the end, this is what, I don't know, we consider that it's, it's more, Let's say like more more pleasant and more more funny and 
it's like a kind of a divertimento for us when, when we plan and when we design. Not too perfect, in other words. <laughs> exactly. At the end, you know, like those French gardens that they just uh, do the topiary and the manicured of, and controlled. That was because it was a, a relation between the power and the control of nature. What we want is to bring back like this lousy and this uncontrolled nature that I think at the end is better for, for the soul. I love it. There's so much behind what you do. And I think that was, that was what I wanted to try and get out from this, from this conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for sharing your, your thoughts and, and all the, the deep insight and knowledge that goes into doing what you do. We'll link to barrystudio.com. That's with two R's. Are you, in terms of social media, where are you most active at the moment? Well, probably we are very engaged in, in Instagram because at the end, it's true that uh, when we want to, to publish what we are doing, also the image becomes very, very important. And Instagram maybe is like the media that works better for us. So you can, you can see us there. And we also, we just, we post uh, pictures, but we also post drawings. So we post many things there. And I think that is the best way to, to approach to us. Awesome. We'll drink out there, man. Mm. Thank you.